0: Welcome to a new episode of the Philmont Lincoln Center Podcast. This week, we're featuring a
1: special conversation between filmmakers Thomas Vinterberg and James Gray on Another Round, which was recently nominated for two Academy Awards. In the film, Four Friends, all teachers at various stages of middle age are stuck in a rut. Unable to share their passions either at school or at home, they embark on an audacious experiment from an obscure philosopher. To see if a constant level of alcohol in their blood will help them find greater freedom and happiness. At first, they each find a newfound zest, but as the gang pushes their experiment further, issues that have been simmering for years come to a head and the men are faced with a choice. Reckon with their behavior or continue on the same course.
0: Another Round is now playing in select theaters and Hulu. Now, let's continue to the conversation. Well, I suppose I should introduce the director, right? Um, it's a very easy introduction. Uh, this Thomas Vinterberg is one of the great directors working in the world today, one of a handful. And uh, it's not often you can say that with sincerity, but he is, and we have him. And so I think we should just get right to it and talk about uh, his his latest work, which I think is pretty darn remarkable. Um, First of all, hello, I got to ask a very banal question, which is, uh, where are you? Are you uh, at home in Denmark? I mean, I have no idea where anybody is now. It's just zooming and it's weird.
1: Uh, Well, first of all, hi, James. Yes, I'm here in Copenhagen and thanks for these uh, flattering words. I'm I'm getting all embarrassed hearing this from you and uh, who I respect uh, greatly. So um, thanks, yes, I'm in Copenhagen. It's dark outside. I believe there's a full moon here and... uh, I'm ready to go.
0: Yeah, it's a very strange moment. I wish we could do this in person, but alas, maybe uh, maybe one of these months. Um, I'll tell you a weird association that I had with your movie when it when I finished it. I-, I remember being up late one night and watching a Dick Cavett interview with George Harrison. And Dick Cavett was saying... Uh, you know, why do you think all these musicians do all these drugs? And, you know, why, why is like Jimi Hendrix and Janis Joplin and Jim, why everyone's dying of drugs? And he looked at, at, at Dick Cavett like he was nuts. And he just said, because life is hard. <laughs> and right. I kept, I kept uh, thinking weirdly of that during your film that this whole idea of being a little bit drunk, it's like the ultimate attempt at coping and i I wonder if you could speak to this idea bit, which I think is very powerful about how the first the I, here's what I got from it that the first notion was to kind of anesthetize you just a little from the, the smaller and greater injuries of life and I wonder is that was that any part of the initial calculus for the thing definitely
1: i could I could recognize myself. And this theory that the film is introducing—that—is that
0: a real theory? I mean, it seems—it seems not like a real theory.
1: It's not a real theory. It's—it's it's coming from a, a real scientist, uh, but in the world of academics, uh, it wouldn't add up to real theory. It's just something he said, and right. then we're we're trying trying to make it a theory right. in our movie, uh, trying to prove it. Um, uh, well. Drinking comes from many places. One of the best alcoholics that I knew of, uh, my dear friend who wrote some of my early work, uh, the celebration and so forth. He said, it's a misunderstanding that you drink because you feel bad. He said, I drink when I'm excited and, and I just have to drink to maintain this feeling of this sensational feeling of being excited. Uh, so people drink for many reasons, I guess. But I think there's a tr- sense of truth in, in Harrison Ford's words that
0: problems disappear a little bit. No, George, George or, Harrison, may Oh, I say. oh Harrison be- Ford. A, a, beetle, a beetle, not an actor. Oh, Jesus, I thought it was Harrison
1: Wow, well, it could have been Harrison. <laughs> it could have been. Um, problems disappear a little bit and uh, self-censorship disappears a little bit. Right. And... Uh, what we're all trying to do when we're writing a script, I guess, you know you know all about that and actors know about that, is the element of self, for, self forgetting. Uh, I guess that's where you're happiest in life when you forget right. about yourself or at least that's where your craft comes to the surface and you start to get inspired. Yeah,
0: you know, it's uh, interesting because uh, when I was watching the film, I kept thinking Uh, thank heavens none of these men is an angry drunk you know or so it seems like they're all they're all sort of amiably tipsy you know I when I was uh, uh, in high school I knew a guy who was just you know you put him put just a tiny bit of of wine in him and he was the darkest angriest person ever like you know of course the, the 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 real him so to speak came out but these guys seem very amiable in a way and and have to confront some truths but They don't become a darker version of themselves. They become more themselves in a way. Well, someone confronted me with with this,
1: having read the script, saying, where's all the angry drunks? And I was like, I don't want to make movies about them. Right. These are not my heroes. These four guys, however they may appear on screen, are my heroes. Uh, and, And I enjoy their company. and They enjoy each other's company. Uh, so I did not want to uh, portray that. I-, I simply left it out. Yeah. Uh, but we know, all know it exists and uh, it would have been a different movie. Well, it's, it's, it's been... a great movie about that. About yes. that side. Husbands from Cassavetes is a fantastic of movie. Of course. Which, which has a great deal of hostility and uh, what what in today's world would be considered malbehavior. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, well, uh, let, let me say, Thomas, I, I did not miss it. Uh, this was not a criticism. I didn't miss it at all. And I, I, you're quite right. Husbands is very much more about that. And But one of the things that I was going to get at is because you're not talking about that, the film, maybe I'm going to reveal something horrible about me. I found the film unbelievably funny for huge stretches, like <laughs> And it's weird because we're so conditioned to like moralizing about alcohol, you know, like this kind of bullshit approach where like you shouldn't drink, you know. And then here it is; it's not a cautionary tale, really. No, it's supposed to be funny. I'm glad you like you you laughed. Oh, it is really funny, man. I mean, stretches.
1: uh, And of course, it's supposed to show uh, where alcohol can bring us in the uplifted, funny, excited life-affirming way as well as the dark side. But um, being moralistic was the first thing we promised ourselves not to do, uh, to Bias Lindholm and myself. We we said, how can we do this as truthful as possible? To to be honest with you, James, the the beginning of this whole journey was to make solely a celebration of alcohol. We, We just looked at world history and saw all the great accomplishments, not the least from Brits, uh having been done by people who are drunk and we we thought we had to celebrate that but very quickly a sense of an obligation and a moral responsibility came in which i normally steer away from but in this case i felt uh we we have to look at the dark side of this as well this is this is a this is something that kills people destroys families uh we got to look into it, and I found it fascinating that this same liquor can elevate situations and people, and make great world leaders make great decisions, and yet still kill people. Yeah. Uh, so we we said we, we got to have to be in the middle. We got to have, make this a survey, an exploration, and never be judgmental in any direction. Uh, and yeah, also well, make an ad- advertisement for for drinking.
0: Yeah. Well, it's fantastic. It, but but so fantastic when. Uh you know, in his class, he basically points out that Hitler was the one who didn't have, you know, was the vegetarian, you know, Tito Taller, like, (laughs) you you have to confront that, you know, he (laughs) was the most morally debased person. And, you know, he wasn't, he wasn't doing it. I mean, someone asked me, someone asked me, so
1: would he have won the world war if he had started the day with a schnapps, you know?
0: But uh... well, I don't think so. But, but well, that's a whole other discussion. I, I do want to ask a sort of, if I may, a, a series of pedestrian questions, which um, unfortunately I was also curious about. I, I have to say, I don't think anyone gets more authenticity out of his actors than you. The film starts with all of the teenagers. It's interesting how the point of view shifts to Mads Mikkelsen pretty quickly but you get away with it, that it doesn't start on him. And wow. it, it, the, all that stuff seems, have, has such very similitude, such authenticity. And I have to ask you just, I know it's boring, but as a director, I sat there wondering, how do you, is it, are you filming imp- improvisation? Are you rehearsing it to the nth degree? I mean, it, it's not something that happens by accident. I, I kind of want to know the machinery of how you get at that authenticity, particularly with the teenagers at the opening. Okay,
1: with the teenagers, uh, it's that's a different ball game as with the actors. Yeah, the two very different things. With the teenagers, I actually find that interesting because there's been this experiment uh, at a bar where you offer uh, drinks to half of the crowd and the same drinks to the other half of the crowd, just in virgin version without alcohol. And then they have, then they measure how drunk they feel. And it's exactly the same because they're in the same bar and it's the same music and everybody's is, uh, is having a ball and believes that they're drink, drunk. And that was the case with these teenagers in the beginning. We, we, we gave them beer without alcohol. We told them it was without alcohol, but from running around and drinking this and listening to music and gearing themselves up, they got entirely crazy. And they just wanted to go out, and they couldn't stop after shooting. And they went to town that night, Uh, and they were sober, entirely sober. I can promise you that. So it it was an interesting thing about how this sense of a a communal decision of letting go of control uh, can can make people can bring people to certain places, which raises another question, which is, can you get these? to these levels of inspiration and artistry and uncontrollable behavior without alcohol. And my answer to, to that is, of course you can. In this case, they don't, they use the alcohol, but of course you have you can get to these places. You, you and I are both writers and, and you know that you can get out there where you lose control and you're very inspired at late night with cognac, but you, you can also achieve it without. It, it's uh, it's a, it's a special, it's an interesting thing, but, but back to the actors and how they, and the authenticity, I guess in the beginning of this film, the rules are set very specifically. It's very clear for them what to do. So there's no confusion. They can forget about everything else than the game. And then they have this sense of communal euphoria. When it comes to the actors, you know as well as I do, it's a longer it's a longer stretch. I first you have to hire the best you can get. It's a bit, I guess it's a bit like being a chef if you have if you have good meat, you can make a good steak, but if you have but you can also make a bad steak, but you can't make a good steak out of bad meat. Yeah. It's just it's just not possible. So and these are the four biggest canons we have in my country. Second thing is, I write my scripts for them. I hire them before I start writing, basically.
0: Uh, well, they and they agree to do it. Well, off a script, no script.
1: When I was young and I did my first films, it was not a problem. And now they've gotten rich and famous and agents and shit, and it's a bit more complicated <laughs> because they want to read a script first.
0: I understand. Believe me.
1: Uh, right, and but I still, I'm still trying to get to this point every time I write a script at least with some of the characters sometimes it doesn't work and then you have to write for uh Al Pacino in The Godfather and imagine that and then
0: and then you replace with some local Dane after you know <laughs> right 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 so what, but will you uh will you improv with them write down you know like a Cassavetti, you mentioned husbands I know that what he would do is he would get his troop together Uh, Gazzara and Falk and Jenna Mm -hmm. and all those people and then they would basically rehearse and improvise and he would type out what he thought were the best I mean I'm just trying to figure out how you work with those guys because again forgetting the teens for a second unbelievable authenticity in that stuff and I'm of course very jealous about how you achieve that so I I guess I'm asking about the methodology with them once you've hired them well my methodology changes from actor to actor I'm not
1: religious about improv or not improv, uh, but uh, uh, I guess disappointingly little is improvised in this movie. Um, most of it is written. Why do you say disappointingly? Well, because <laughs> there's a lot of people who want me to be uh, king of king of improv, but I, but I'm not really. Uh, I write this and I write it for people I know, so it sounds improv.
0: Right.
1: But of course, there is there is you know there's exceptions like when they go to find codfish in the harbor it says they find they try to fish in four stupid ways and they're very they're at this level they're at 1.7 and then action and uh and then they take it from there and we find some tools and that's improv right but all the dialogues and stuff is is written but what i do my i guess my method is to to work really hard prior to the shoot. Conversations, rewrite, more conversations, uh, debates, rewrites again, and then a rehearsal period, which sometimes is fruitful, sometimes is not. But at least we've done it. We're trying to map out this character, saying, where does this character come from? What is he dreaming about for the future? What What is he showing to the world? And what is he hiding from the world? Uh, those how, four, how
0: long is that period, Thomas? How long is couple your weeks.
1: Two weeks. Uh-huh. Sometimes three. But those are the toughest weeks of the, sh- of, of the whole production because there's, it's you and them. You don't have a crew. You don't have a plan. It's just, you know. Uh, and I'm trying to make as solid a foundation for them as possible so that when the camera flicks on, they can let go. They can fly. It's a bit like with a speech that you've rehearsed enough times so forget about the speech, so to speak. Right. And uh, and I'm not talking about the specific scenes. Uh, I'm trying to rehearse the scenes before the scenes or after. So that, like, if there's a scene with someone popping the question, I would rehearse and improvise the scene where he's waiting in the lobby before he's doing it. Or the scene right after when he's been rejected. Uh, so that the characters feel
0: at home. In what they are doing? well that's fantastic uh, yeah you know i, a, I remember uh I, I always try to do the same thing thomas it's where you you have the actor almost it's a it's it almost a, an essential where the actor has to read the scene before the one they have to play that morning you know to remember always where they're coming from and then where right. they're going to you know the context is everything right. yeah that's well, I, there's another word for what you're saying, and the word is craft. I mean, that is tremendous craft and uh, in a fantastic way. And I, I will tell you also, though, that the form that you're employing, which is, of course, all the handheld, it, it lends a very similitude. It's not because it's not bad handheld. It's not where you're doing it too much that it's self-conscious. It feels very found. And mm-hmm. the fact that it feels improvisatory but is always controlled that is a i must give you a huge that is brilliant craft i mean that, there's no other way to put it he,
1: he this cinematographer is a very smart guy but he's first of all very sensitive to what's happening in the scene he doesn't have a thing that he wants to impose he's there he's open uh we did have one strategy for this which was to show the awkwardness and Ugliness of being sober, basically, uh, when they're sober. Like when you dance the first dance at a party and you knock your foreheads together, it's like it's awkward. And the coffee machine starts boiling right as you're about to say your pickup line, right? Uh, And then when they start drinking, things smoothen up and color appears. And, you know, that's sort of what we try to do. I just want to go back to to the rehearsal period. I just want to... This movie, we had one week of serious rehearsals and another week of even more serious rehearsals, but which included alcohol. Because I know they have to play drunk and they have to protect an emotional journey and they have to be funny and they have to be listening to each other. And, you know, there, there was a lot of things I asked them to do. So I thought we got to nail this drunkenness. So I gave them alcohol and filmed it. And we tried falling and we tried doing it. And, you know, they tried to be, be teachers on certain levels of, of drunkenness. And we watched a lot of uh, Russian videos of people falling around. <laughs> and... and,
0: and uh, <laughs> And uh, <laughs> you know, Boris Yeltsin, you know, Boris Yeltsin is so legendary, you know, no, I got that. But of course, I got that. And I, I, I did want to bring that up. You know, of course, I had a list of these bullshit pretentious questions. But uh, the, the one thing that is so perfectly rendered, because it is, you know, look, I, you probably don't know who this is, but there was this comedian in the 60s and 70s in America. He used to go on all these like Dean Martin roasts. His name was Foster Brooks. And his one joke was playing drunk. And the way that he would do it is he would kind of be like like this. Your movie never makes a single mistake in rendering that kind of drunkenness. It never descends into like this kind of character. And that's very, it's brutally difficult to do. They're always inside the character. And I have to ask this, were they actually a little bit drunk during the shoot? No,
1: no, I I didn't serve alcohol on on the set because they, you know, they probably, they should be drunk in one scene and then they had to drive a car or be in front of children in the next scene. And also, James, um, there's this thing. I like to treat them as professionals. I've had, I've had fights with Lars von Trier about this. I find that when you put people through psychotherapy to make them cry in front of uh, the camera or you make them drunk or addicts to show that they're addicts, for me, that's an element of amateurism. And he got very angry when I said that. But but I but I uh, I like that I like to treat them as professionals because by not being private, I think they can make it even more personal somehow, more intimate. Does that make sense to you? Of course it makes perfect sense. Because they don't have the private border or limit, and and there's no element because it's a character and it's it's a professional work and, and it's out here, and then, then you can really take into the where, where it hurts, um,
0: but, you know, so they well, didn't drink
1: uh, on, on set.
0: There, there's sort of something else, uh, I hate this Zoom thing, you know, it's like a slight delay, so sorry about that. If I'm talking over you, I can't tell, but um, there there's something else though beyond which I wanna, I think is really important, even though I think the film is at huge stretches, absolutely hilarious. I found it also very, very sad um, for huge stretches because Mads Mikkelsen, without any, I mean, in mean, the beginning of the movie, is a is a shadow of his former self. He's a a, a damaged, repressed kind of. Um, it's a sadness that he can't really be his, have any of his sort of id come out at all, and that, in a sense, the film becomes because of this sadness and this humor. Ultimately, I felt uh, became about love, about accepting the actual all of you, you know, the part mm-hmm. that's exposed and not the part that's exposed. So I don't, I don't know, know if that this was- nowadays. That's a great great way of seeing it, yeah. I mean, I don't know if this was part of the calculus, but uh, it, it seems to me, you know, that it, I mean, I hate to use this word because I don't need it in art, but it is a very hopeful uh, presentation in some respects. And that his dance at the end is an act of tremendous liberation Right. I mean, I don't know if this is part of the calculus, but maybe you could speak. Oh, to oh it. yes, definitely. We we wanted to show a character
1: who has been caught up with life, and what does that mean? It means caught up with the element of repetitiousness, boredom, no. uh, lack of inspiration, yeah. lack of r- lack of risk, uh, confrontation with being old confrontation with youth around him who are behaving like sharks, Uh, a a bit like actors who smell an insecure director, you know, (laughs) ready to kill. Uh, uh, They're they're ready to fire him. He's, he's at his weakest point. Uh, And, and he's, and he's being liberated from this, from through this journey, not necessarily through alcohol. But through the, the love from his friend and through the element of risk, the element of exploration, the trying something, they're putting their life at stakes and uh, they're, they're getting somewhere with it. My wife, who I told you, is, is more clever than I am. Um, she says that this movie is about the, uh, the uncontrollable. And I'm asking her, so what's the uncontrollable? What's that about? And she said, "Well, Thomas, uh, all the youngsters that I have at my church, uh, they everything is measured. They have to appear on social media forty times every day, and they're being measured by their friends and graded. And they have to at school. They're getting grades all the time. They have to map out their plans for the future. Uh, And every time I talk to a journalist, I know that he he or she will know the number of clicks." They'll get for how many people who read their article. Everything is measured. You and I, when we walk around with our iPhones, our steps are measured. Um, And I have friends who sit like this at night to to get (laughs) to a certain amount of
0: steps. (laughs) Now... (laughs) Who do they think they're cheating? I mean, what?
1: (laughs) (laughs) And... and, uh, yeah that's pretty so so she says the world the uncontrollable is what you cannot measure like falling in love you fall out of control and you meet something grand you meet something that you could never have booked or prepared or ordered anywhere or being inspired in which which embeds the word spirit uh, and you know and I guess at the end of the day, this movie is a battle for that. It's trying to open up that little bit, that tiny corner we have for the uncontrollable and say, what happens if we let everyday life become a little less controlled? Uh, and I Matt know. is being liberated by that. He, yeah. His main character is, is trapped from life and he's set free. And that's where he meets his catharsis at, at the end
0: of the movie. That's sort of, that's what we were thinking. That's uh, beautiful. It's beautiful. But, it, but it, there is obviously, there has to be some balance, right? Like you have to be open and you're right, everything's measured, but if you have no, you know, what's this, uh, just to get a little sententious, there's an old quote by Bertrand Russell. He said, a mind perpetually open is a mind perpetually vacant. So, you, right. you, in some ways, it, it can't only be that, right? And his friend, who's like peeing in the bed, and like, by the way, that is an incredible performance moment uh, <laughs> when he's like in the corner and his one eye is open. Um, he's being on my wife, by the way, but but I only do I only do that to her on screen. <laughs> no comment. But it's an incredible moment. But he has, at that moment, he has lost too much control. But like. I mean, basically, he's gone a little too far, hasn't he? I mean, he's literally oh, urinating in the bed. He's not communicating with her at all. I mean, he's yeah. lost the plot a little. And then, of course, their friend dies. I mean, I'm, I'm assuming everybody here has seen the movie, thankfully. Uh, so I'm, I'm like ruining everything. No, 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 let's talk about everything. No, of course, we wanted to explore that as well. Now, right. we, before we
1: talked about the journey of Max Miggleson or Martin, as he's called, uh, there's another journey in the movie, which is the guy who dies from this. Right. And and we, we, if we look at the world, it's, uh, this journey is all over the place. We know that. We all have friends or friends who have family members who lost their lives to alcohol. Either they died or they have become, become miserable. Uh, and uh, so there is this dangerous edge between living and dying connected to this liquor. And I don't have the answers. Uh, That's why I show both. Right. I don't have the answer. I don't know how much people should drink or how people should live. I'm just having a look at this. I'm saying, so this guy's trapped. He's revealed. This guy has an okay life and he dies from it. And what are we going to do about it? And um, this openness I've insisted on, because who am I to say How people should live their lives. Of course, And maybe this openness is is one of the reasons that, you know, in the Danish cinemas, we have 19-year-olds with a bag of beer having seen the film for the fourth time on their way out on a Friday night. And at the, at the same row, you have anonymous alcoholics who find that the film is about them. Because this guy is dying and Matt is obviously falling into the water at the end. and and, but for the boys he's flying you know it's uh, um, right uh, this was not something we measured while writing it we just didn't know how to conclude this we couldn't find a conclusion
0: yeah but it's it's you're an artist it's not your job to give answers it's only your job to question um i have to ask this of you since you just mentioned it uh, and i i think I, i i did know it beforehand anyway but it's interesting. I found the film very secular in a way. Your wife, you said, is a priest. Are you yourself religious? Do you feel that the work is religious in some way? Uh,
1: I'm not religious. I'm born and raised in a hippie commune by aggressive atheists, <laughs> uh, which I regret now. Uh, I why just, do you
0: regret? Why do you regret it?
1: I. I I lost my daughter, nineteen-year-old uh, daughter, and uh, while making this movie, actually, um, and which is a huge tragedy. And but even before that, I was, I was finding the world that my wife is in, as a priest, enormously rich, uh, and I'm very, very curious about it, and. Uh, um, so I'm, I'm open to religion but i I've, I've been raised with too many doubts and too much skepticism so i'm i'm somewhere i'm somewhere caught in the middle of this uh, so so i'm you know i'm investigating it i'm right. curious about it but i can't i can't call myself religious
0: yet i have to say i've well, it. What does it mean for you to be religious then, in such a context? What does that even mean? That word. Um, it means to have faith
1: in what you're hoping for, right. which is not, which is, which cannot be proven. Right. Uh, and that's what they know a lot about. And in my situation, I'm obviously hoping to see my daughter again. Um, I lost her way too early in her life, so, so I find it, uh, you know, now more than ever, something that I'm drawn to and occupied with. Uh, but still, having lived fifty years full of skepticism, is a difficult thing to change, <laughs> and mm, probably quite healthy. Uh, f- f- faith and doubts come hand
0: in hand. So maybe it's, a, it's an okay place to be. And when, when, if you don't mind my asking, that's unspeakably tragic. When, when did you lose her? How, were you shooting the movie? I mean... W-
1: right. Uh, my daughter Ida was supposed to be in the movie. She It's at her school, in her classroom, amongst her friends. Uh, she, two months prior to the shoot of this film, Uh, She sent me a letter from Africa, where she was at that time. Uh, Having read the script, uh, she sent an unconditional love letter to me about the script. And I have to say that she was brutally honest with me. Uh, If I would wear a collared shirt, she would say panic age and and leave the room. You know, she was was very confrontational with me. But this script um, caught her heart uh and then four days into the shoot she was on her way back from paris in a car to copenhagen and some and she was standing in a queue because of a traffic jam and some guy on a cell phone bashed into her car and killed her um and i'm i'm telling you this because of course it has to do with my movie uh it's and uh it has to do with my entire life but at that time i didn't know how to continue life uh and which is of course still hard and um, uh, the only thing that made sense for me and mats and thomas bolas and all my friends in this movie who knew her quite well or very well since she was born was to make this movie for her and make it to honor her memory. That was the only, that was the only thing I could get up up in the morning to do, to find just a path through this darkness. Uh, So if you feel the sense of uh, love on screen, it might have to do with the fact that this crew and these actors
0: pulled out their hearts for me at this time. That's unbelievable. Uh, First of all, No wonder the film feels like it's about love. It is there in the film somehow. And it was always
1: supposed to be there,
0: but uh,
1: this situation left us, well, that, that was what she loved in the script. So it was there, but it left us all. And of course, me primarily unguarded and naked and without any sense of defense. To the world and in that's the circumstance of, of shooting this movie so when mats was dancing at the end of this this film uh not only for him it was a beautiful catastrophe you know an ecstasy with someone who had died in the background it was for all of us on set and for me uh particularly um so it, it was an extraordinary um experience in 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 all directions because there was so much love and so much brilliance in front of me and yet still uh there was uh, the greatest loss I
0: you can imagine I mean w- what'd you do just go right back to work I mean I, I I don't understand uh no it was a couple of weeks
1: as I recall it I turned 50 the day after a funeral it was all was all very uh unreal uh and my friend and co-writer tobias lindholm sure took over the shoot for a period of time and they shot the funeral which i of course I, I just couldn't do that and they shot a couple of things and then i slowly melted in together with him and then i took over and took back the film and and that's how we did it uh, and I, to tell you the truth, shooting was really, really tough. But going to the bathroom or being sent home at night was worse. Because that's where life came back to me.
0: I understand. Yeah. Wow. Well. Uh, well that is, that's unbelievable. And then when... I guess while you're doing the work, you can at least focus on that or lose yourself a little bit. I don't know. Can you? Or is it like something that's... I guess it's... Well, you you can for an
1: hour or so and then you have to go somewhere and cry and then come back. Uh, But it felt somehow meaningful to do this for her because there was so much her in it. And she loved it so much. And she would have hated me, hated that if i stopped it uh so now you know the praise that this movie is getting uh i just feel it's for her which which um makes things make a little bit more sense than
0: they did before right um i mean i guess i have to ask uh, through through the i mean through the process then I mean, where, where where are you now with it? I mean, you finished the film when? I don't know, with COVID, everything is completely <laughs> yeah. murky to me. D- did you finish it before this COVID period? I mean, when? Right. We
1: I finished the film before the COVID, which, I, which was very lucky. And actually, uh, in Denmark, the cinemas kept open for quite a while. And so the film had a premiere and became a... a, a a smash hit I've never sold that many tickets uh, in my entire <laughs> life uh, people somehow wants to see something about drinking uh, and uh, and it opened in France and had four days which was it was number one in France and but then they shut it down over there and uh, you know uh, so yeah it, it came out and I'm now writing my next thing and uh, spending time with my family and stuff
0: yeah well it must be very surreal then to be have gone through this terrible trauma to expose yourself beautifully in the work and 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 then it's like a kind of house arrest for a
1: year it's we we need the house arrests i i'm thinking about all the people who lost family members or went bankrupt or suffer from claustrophobia but for us this protection Is 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 good timing, basically. Uh Uh, Have have you you
0: found it good? You found it helpful to you?
1: Oh yeah, personally yes. We -hmm. went to our country house and uh, and we're in we're going through this process of 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 sorrow. So uh, we needed a calm and simple life, basically.
0: Mm -hmm. And and. Those, those kids, the, the high school kids that opened the film and are sprinkled throughout, they were your daughter's friends then?
1: Uh, not exactly those, no. Those were extras that we brought in from here and there. Right. I it was like there were some friends here and there, but some was casted from other schools. And, but it was pretty much her life, and it was her classroom and her school and her rituals. She's been on the lake run as well. It's all written from her life, basically.
0: Oh, that ritual ritual is a thing in Denmark, is it? Where they all puke like that and going around the lake?
1: One of the reasons I I decided to make this movie was because I had a visitor from America, a a wonderful writer called Jane, um, super intelligent woman coming to Denmark. And she meets my older daughter who went to the same school and the same lake Lake runs. She asks my daughter, uh, being an American, she asks, So, Nana, what are you going to do today? And Nana said, uh, Oh, I'm going to run the lake run. And she said, Oh, but what's that, Nana? And she said, Oh, we have to run around this lake and empty a box of beer on time. And this woman is disturbed and looks at the dad, Like, when is he going to interfere? Uh, and the dad is Scandinavian and used to drunken kids in the street. So he's just giggling a little bit. That's me, of course. And uh, and then she said, but Nana, aren't you gonna get sick? And Nana says, oh yes, but, but if we vomit synchronized, time will be deducted, so that's okay. <laughs> and then she's like freaking out and says, what about the police? And, and then Nana says, oh, but the teachers are there. And then, uh, I suddenly realize there, there's something in this kingdom, which is very, very unique in our alcohol culture and probably a little bit dangerous. I have to look into it. I have to look into this.
0: Well, we're always reminded here in the United States uh, that Denmark is the happiest country on earth, according to practically all surveys. So maybe you guys are doing something right.
1: Maybe you know they all when they leave high school they stop drinking, and they become young adults. And you know, uh, both my daughters were very successful at high school. And my other daughter is becoming a doctor. And you know, it's not like they're alcoholics, but they they're just part of this uh, interesting ritualistic thing. Which uh,
0: Thomas, uh, can I ask you? Uh, this maybe is a little bit too broad uh, a question, but so you'll forgive me, but when when you're working, what I've noticed about your films is that they seem very personal, but I never know, they seem not autobiographical, but they do seem personal, which is, it's a unique and interesting thing. And I, I wonder how you navigate that because like, you know, when I saw The Hunt, which I think is a fantastic movie, um, I get the sense both that nothing like that ever happened to you. And yet you're exposing part of yourself. Maybe it's your collaboration with Mads Mikkelsen. I can't really figure out how you do it. But what um, what is the difference for you, I guess, between autobiographical and personal? Wow,
1: it's a very fine line. There's nothing private or personal or, well, yes, personal, but autobiographical in any of these movies, you know, uh, I guess when I write a character, I think it must be the same for you, James. When when writing a character, you invest a little bit of yourself in it. Um, in each one of the characters. This is the funny me. This is the tragic me. Right. This is the bragging me. Uh, this, this is the silly me. You know, um, and then I dig really deep into these characters and they become lively somehow and it, but you're right by saying it's personal but not private um, also getting an idea for a movie I guess it's a bit like being in love you it's either either you're interested or you're not interested as a writer or a director uh, you can meet a fancy great idea but it doesn't interest you and then you can meet something which doesn't really have a beginning or a middle or an end, or an, at, at least in that order or something. And it's very diffuse, but it, it keeps coming back to you.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and those are the characters I work on. And I guess that's how it gets personal. I don't know.
0: Now, is that a, is that instinctual for you? Or do you think you have a sort of, have you intellectualized the process where you say, I'm interested in subject X because of this, or is it just instinct? Uh, it's both. I think
1: the work I do is a combination of structured work where I, you know, now we have to build a character. We need this, we need this, we need this. And then at some point it becomes unstructural and I completely let go, I just flow with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's a combination of things. And, and, but a certain topics for films I don't have, no. Right. I wish um, I had. Every time I have a conversation with an agent, you, you, they ask, "What do you want to do, Tom? And I don't know. And I guess it's the same for you, James. It's, uh, yeah, I,
0: I have no clue ever. Um, I guess we meet I, you know, this
1: great producer
0: who says, "Thomas, what should we do?" I'm like, "Something good," you know. It's uh, it's wide open. Yeah. Um, I, I'm being told we have five minutes, so I have to I have to end with this. You have right now one of the great actor director collaborations I mean it's right up there with anybody else and uh you know the 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 De Niro Scorsese collaboration the the you know I could go on and on but has your method if you have one if dare I use that word style evolved hugely with Mads Mikkelsen or is it just basically like a you have a common language, you don't have to talk much. I mean, I, I, I wish you could get into a little bit of that before we have to go. With, with Matt and me, we grew up
1: in the same soil, having the same heroes, watching all the great films from Hollywood in the 70s, and I admire them. And uh, we know each other so well. He lives around the corner. We go to the same gym. They're, our wives get, you know, we hang out. So I know him really well. And when you're in that sense of comfort, you can come really far and you can push it because he'll always have faith that I will catch him if he gets too far in some direction. Uh, And in that sense, I think we've developed, we didn't know each other when we started on doing uh, the hunt. And we did did that movie and a success is also good for collaboration. And then we flew around the world and celebrated that film and, did interviews and got nominated and got to know each other really well and now we, we know each other even better so i guess there's a natural
0: development be, be, between us yeah his performance in the hunt is incredible but it's it's there's something here he's so controlled and yet the emotionality is like ferocious i mean what? that is a, a a very very nuanced uh portrait and it's not like it's I, I, I can't say better than the hunt it doesn't make any sense but it has uh, more flavors it certainly does yeah and yeah. it, it fe- you what you feel is an evolving i guess what i'm trying to say is you feel an evolving artistic relationship going on there and that yeah. makes you guys a great duo well thank you so much
1: and i i, I agree with that and uh, i'll pass it on to matt he'll he would love to hear this
0: <laughs> yeah i mean it's an incredible performance it's almost like it's weird too because he's so magnetic and somehow you buy him as a boring history teacher, but he was never my boring history teacher. He's too magnetic. To, I'm
1: trying everything I can to dress him down every time, but he just looks mani- magnificent and <laughs> he really does.
0: yeah well, there there are we I think this is about the uh, uh, the end of this thing and I, I right. hope that I've I hope that i've've managed to. Do your film justice. It's a uh, it's a magnificent work, and you're one of the really great artists working today. And um, I just think uh, I've been really honored to talk with you. So, uh, I'm, I'm all the best. I'm May a now. huge fan, and, and as
1: I told you before, I watched I've watched your movies over time, and I watched At Astra yesterday, and I I've been flying all night. So, uh, I'm, I'm I'm a huge admirer. Thank you for this conversation. It was a uh, wonderful.
0: You, you you're very welcome and you need not thank me at all and I, I, I hope I see you in the flesh before this century is out it's uh <laughs> and hang in there it's awesome. and, and all the great success with it because it's it's gorgeous work thank you so much thank, thank you. you Thomas thank you, James bye